A warning before the next program you're about to hear. Viewers of an easily upset disposition are advised to get off the washing machine. To Ben in the Basement, heavily scrubbed in only the naughtiest areas. Woohoo! Thanks. Thank you, Eskimo Fandango and Kathy Davy, for your help scrubbing those difficult-to-reach places. Hello, 
I'm Ben Baker, and welcome to my basement of old tapes, older jokes, and because this is the last episode of Series 2, a congratulatory cake from all of my colleagues at Keithley On Air. I mean, I say cake, it's more of a piece of paper with death threats written on it in blood stuck to my door with a butcher knife, but it's a thought that counts. And thanks for keeping me in your thoughts by choosing me as your Monday Night Entertainment, when there are so many other options available. I mean, just uh, looking at the TV listings right now, you could be watching DCI Murderface on ITV, When Things Get Stuck Up Your Japs Eye on Pick, or Channel 5's Fannying Around on a Yacht with Giles Brandreth. I hope I can repair that trust with an hour of fun, music, and all the latest live events news, which wasn't so easy to do a few months ago. Thanks, Ben. And it all kicks off this week on Wednesday when the green bins go out, before ramping up to second gear on Thursday when they all come back in again. And it all comes to a blistering crescendo on Saturday with a talk at the Parish Church Hall by Mr George Stevens. Head of Bins at Keighley Town Council, and where listeners are encouraged to go along and share anecdotes, poetry, and crude etchings of their own bins. And that's all the things happening in your town this week. <sighs> and who said nothing much happens in Keighley?
Hello, your call cannot be taken at the moment, so please leave your message after the tone. Hello, is that Ben Basements? My name is Kenneth from Molsis, and I would like to complain about the constant insistence in the media press that football is coming home. You see, I only live in a very small flat, and the landlord is right strict about subletting. Could football perhaps stay in an hotel until further accommodation could be attained? I've only just got the EU out of our back bedroom. The number you have reached has been disconnected.
hello? Uh, hello? <sighs> Bloody influential Teutonic synth pop groups of the 70s to the present day. No, I'll never get Steve Knight to play my request on his probably still going afternoon show. And I was going to pick a bit of obscure 60s pop called the Beatles that I recently learnt about in a Radio 4 documentary. It's lucky for you I taped it. Penny Lane. Strawberry Fields Forever. The Beatles movie medley. All the work of possibly the biggest and most enduring band in history. They are of course none other than... The the Beatles. But what of the fans of these? Beatles. What did they get out of it? Where are they? Who are they? The answer to all of these questions is no. To get to the root of this, I tracked down the self-proclaimed world's biggest fans of the Fab Four. John, Paul, George and Ringo and the Beatles. We're here in the Bradford living room of identical twins John and Paul Beatles, superfans extraordinaires. Right, the thing about the Beatles was... I wanted to say what the thing about the Beatles was. Well, go on then, say what the bloody thing about the Beatles was. I bloody will then. Fine! The thing about the Beatles was, they were the Beatles. So tell me about how you first discovered the Beatles. Well, we were sat at home, watching the telly, and Ready Steady Cook came on. No, it was Ready Steady Go! No. Uh, right, yeah. I can't remember what happened exactly, but the Green Peppers definitely won. Yeah, and at that point I thought, that's the band for me. And me. And me. So what was your first reaction to that TV programme? Well, I immediately went out and bought their very first album, Please Please Me. Well, I, on the other hand, went out and immediately bought their very first album, Please Please Me. But I bought mine slightly earlier than you. Only because you pushed in the queue before me. It does make me the bigger fan, though. <sighs> It was a bit silly in hindsight, because we lived together at the time, and also we didn't have a stereo. And from those first stirrings, you went on to amass what you have today, the Western world's biggest collection of Beatles record memorabilia, including 4,000 LPs. All of their very first album, Please Please Me. Any reason? Really like the cover. Now I can't help noticing that your names are very unusual, and dare I say, oddly convenient. Well, I'll let you into a little secret. We weren't born with these names. Well, no, I didn't think so. We were originally Jim and Paul Beatles. Oh, so Jim changed his name to John? No, Jim changed his name to Paul. I had to change mine from Paul to John. I just liked Paul more, especially his cheeky grin on the cover of their very first album, Please Please Me. Won't mind as much, but it gets all my job seekers allowance. So, I have to ask, the Desert Island Discs question. Oh yeah, Sue Lawley. Yeah, I definitely would. 
No, 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 I mean, what's your favourite Beatles record? Well, it's funny you should ask that. There's a bit of an amusing story attached to that. You haven't heard bloody any uh, of them! Well... Uh, hang on, you haven't actually heard any music by the Beatles. We've been very busy, what with finding copies of the Beatles' very first album, Please Please Me, cataloguing copies of the Beatles' very first album, Please Please Me, and of course, displaying copies of the Beatles' very first album, Please Please Me. You won't let me play bloody any of them. They wouldn't be mint then. Final question then. As Beatle obsessives and collectors, what one thing do you wish for most in the entire world? Well, I think I'd have to say another copy of the Beatles' very first album, Please Please Me. And you, John? My own flat. The world is treating me bad, misery. The kind of guy who never used to cry. The world is treating me bad, misery. I've lost her now for sure. I won't see her. Tattles there, a band what did songs. You're listening to Keithy on Air. So I hope you're all enjoying this wander through the best bits, the new bits, but definitely not schnor bits. Later on, we'll have all the latest milk news, milk releases, as well as the milkmen performing in your area. <coughs> Sorry, that should have read music. Oh, the producer must have been tampering with my script and adding the word milk into everything. How dare he! That curdled the atmosphere quick enough. Sorry, 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 I'm under a lot of pressure. Here's the Eurythmics with sweet creams and made of cheese. Uh, I mean the fleece with message in a milk bottle. I mean David Cowie with memory of a freezing festival. I mean fight like apes with Jake Summers. Wait, that's not a pun. Yeah. 
Fight Like Apes with Jake Summers there. And some of you may have noticed a rude word in that song. But hey, that's the kind of rock and roll radio show Ben in the basement is okay and doesn't even worry about what the mum and daddy's going to say because it's what sort of programming we called in the 90s Too Hot for Radio. Yes, it's the sort of saucy late-night romping affair. A bit like those after-the-watershed Hollyoaks specials in the 90s, minus the car-based sexual assault. All nude, all swearing, and all punk rock. Yeah, woo, like, I'm feeling so hardcore and mad right now, I might just, like, totally help an old lady across the road, carry her shopping to her home, and then when she tries to give me some money, run away giggling. <laughs> I might even, like, have toast with no butter on, or only wear Factor 30 in the sunshine. I might even watch Amanda Holden's new sitcom. <laughs> oh, 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 God, mother, fetch the hands. I'm having another one of my episodes. We apologize for the loss of the Ben in the Basement show, which will continue in vision only for the rest of the show. Uh, uh, Yes, once again, very sorry about the loss of today's program. But, you know, these things can be... I mean, I was just saying to the director the other day, I said, Johnny, Johnny, I said, you just can't get the compliance these days. And he said to me, I'll never forget it, who are you and what are you doing in my bathroom? I'm calling the police. And it appears we can now rejoin this week's Ben in the Basement, which continues for the time being in black and white. Benjaminium Eustace Wilberforce Baker II, and welcome to Benjamin in the Conservatory. And now a treat for young people and the slow, as it's time for the new animated feature by Oob Iwerks, after his beastly falling out with one Mr. Walter Disney. I do not believe any of that animosity, however, has made it into the work, which begins thusly. Bargee! Oh, fucking dandy! It sure is a cunning great day! You fucking cunning shit, Disney mouse! Oh, what's got you down in the dumps, my friend? You'd soon forget about your body What sort of thing did you have in mind? I asked Dr. Grice Well, anything like stamp collecting or breeding fancy mice Now that's something that I used to do It helped me when I was feeling blue They're economical to keep And they will help you to escape from misery 
Centre and I went to the Citizen Advice Bureau. I asked about the National Maps Club and they gave me all the info. I wrote to the NMC and said I'd join if they'd let me. Two days later, if I remember, they wrote back. I was a member. In the yearbook was the address of a man who lived near me. An experienced breeder and former president of the NMC. I rang and asked him if I could come and see his fancy stuff. He said, of course you can, young man, come along. So off I ran. In the darkened cellar there were rows and rows of boxers. In them there were pink-eyed white mice, greens and silver foxes. One by one we looked at them, discussing every specimen. The kind man told me everything he knew about fancy mouse breeding. Interlude.
Hello, is that Ben Basements? My name is Kenneth from Molsis, and I would like to complain about my recent energy bill. I, like many, switched to girl power in 1996, and frankly, I think it's time for a revival. Everywhere I go, she's there in a rockstar glasses just like a second show. Oh, oh, day and night and night and day and oh, she's bleeding me dry. And then she turns to me and says, since when the stalking Nicky would reform for some gigs. I suppose Sky Advert voiceovers pay better, though. <sighs> so it's been a weird couple of months since I first started this show, with live music suddenly creeping steadily back out into the world as our arms slosh with delicious vaccine and our brains swim in the fractious anxiety of busy rooms and that bloke in the corner of the venue who seems to have brought his own lamppost to lick. But I must have missed live music in some way, as I ended up reading for hours about gigs gone by, and in particular Wembley Stadium. Hey, did you know it originally opened in 1923 as the British Empire Exhibition Stadium, before it was renamed after King George V's favourite fraggle? Probably. Maybe. Wembley Stadium has long stood as the pinnacle of success in Britain. If you played there, you've made it, regardless of whether your sound translates to a giant cavernous auditorium or not. And so, to put some of that wasted internet scrolling to use, here are a few folks you might not know genuinely played Wembley Stadium. We start our investigations on June 30th, 1984, and despite being formed in London, I long assumed Wang Chung were an American band, partly due to their ridiculous name, and partly because of their massive success in America compared to here. But 1984 was to be the year they hit Wembley, for a bit, 
As part of a day-long summer concert, dubbed imaginatively the Summer of 84 concert, where for just £12.50 you could pop along and see Elton John, Nick Kershaw, Cool and the Gang, Big Country depping for a sick Paul Young, and Tom Robinson's largely forgotten Sector 27, who just happened to be signed at the time to Elton John's record label. Wonder if everyone had fun that night? I guess we'll never know. The 31st of July 1992 saw teen rap jumpers Criss Cross take to the Wembley stage themselves in support of Michael Jackson. Nope, nope, not going there. Nope, nope. Next, next one. Hello, uh, 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 Wembles and Lady Princess Diana. It's midday on July 13th, 1985, and later on, Adamant is going to do his new single. But now it is time for a sizable boost to the denim economy. Sorry, I mean status quo. Now, some older listeners, of course, will know July 13th, 1985 is the day of Live Aid, and much is made now of the musical side of the event, such as Bono pulling on a woman. But my fascination with it as an event has always been more of the TV coverage. Not only was it linked by other presenters of BBC's only real music programme of the time, Whistle Test, none of whom had done any primetime live TV before, but there was also loads of really weird non-pop guests, like John Hurt, Jack Nicholson and Noel Edmonds. But for sheer comedy reasons, it's hard to beat Mel Smith and Griff Rhys-Jones, who amazed all by actually getting a laugh at a live gig, a feat usually believed impossible. One, two. One, two. One, two. Yeah, I know what follows two. Constable, thank you very much. This is our spare lead vocal, Mike. Constable. Uh, I'm sorry to interrupt, but we have had a bit of a complaint about the noise. From a woman in Belgium. What follows is a moment made all the more surreal by its key appearance in 2018's tepid smash hit movie biopic, Bohemian Rhapsody. Anyway, uh, it gives us enormous pleasure to introduce the next combo, who are... Uh... Queen! Oh, Majesty! Queen! It's a shame, really, they didn't get a chance to play this. Everybody wonders why we walk around With this blank expression on our face There goes that crazy bunch They're really out to lunch That bunch of jerks from outer space Turn on and see two worlds collide We're more 
was watching me and I don't know Trying to predict what I will Cinema classic Morons from Outer Space. Those are the morons. Among them, Peter Bruce, Mel Smith, Griff Reese Jones, and Jimmy Neal. And I'm waiting for that film to get its cultural reevaluation any day now. And speaking of coming back from the dead, Jesus. Well, alright, not Jesus per se, but definitely some of his helpers, as on June 28th, 1997, the band Delirious played to up to 45,000 people. If you've never heard of them or any of their numerous top 20 hits, it's probably because they come under the much maligned heading of Christian Band, and thus have a big fan base, but absolutely no street cred whatsoever. They played Wembley as part of an event called Champion of the World, organised by musician Noel Richards, who'd been influenced by seeing Queen at Wembley, saying, I got this sense it would be great to see places like this filled, declaring there is a champion of the world and his name is Jesus. Of course, it's easy to take the piss. Indeed, have you heard the rest of this programme? But you know what, I think, fair play, there should be something for everybody in music. <laughs> Even Morrissey. Did you call? No, 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 we're not doing that this week. As you are. Although we will alight next on a year you are actually quite popular, as we set the coordinates for August 19th, 1989, one of my personal heroes, Frank Sidebottom. Oh, that's of the day. Oh, man. 
the corner at number 22. Oh, best things done. Chicken Hills Laundry. Stevie's big-headed banjolele playing alter ego was an invited special guest of Bross at their Bross in Two Summer gig at the stadium between Debbie Gibson, Double Trouble and the Rebel MC. To say it went badly is, is an understatement, with keyboardist and future biographer John Ronson later relating to The Guardian. Frank was asked to support the boy band Bross at Wembley. There were 50,000 people in the crowd. This was a huge stage for Frank, his biggest ever, by about 49,500 people. There was just one rule in place, no bross covers. To which Frank responded with an off-key five-minute medley of all their biggest hits to date, leading to a full-scale bottling off, delighting CV no end. Oh, when will I, will I be famous? I am actually very, very famous. Oh, when will I see me picture in the paper? I'm not stupid, I'm a man. Sister. 
and think about your emotions. Try to relax. Really relax. Let all your muscles go loose. And... Oh, oh. I'm very sorry. I had a sprout risotto for lunch. But that's okay. The body responds how it needs to. And we should feel no guilt about that. So go on. Listen to your body. What does it have to say? Good. Really get to the bottom of what your heart wants. It's always there in us. Pumping blood all around. It pumps. And it pumps. And it pumps. Never stopping until it can't carry on anymore. I think we could learn a lot from that. If only we could follow through. And relax. You are now ready to begin, but maybe... Change your underpants first, eh, mate? That's a good one. thought back in summer I'd get ahead of the Covid curve and put on my own festival here in Keithley. But it turns out all the acts I invited, Buddy Holly, Elvis Presley, the late Ali Seacum, were all unavailable. Luckily, I managed to secure one very special session act. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, it gives me the hugest pleasure to introduce to you... The Beautiful South! <laughs> Sorry, what? Well, I, I know there's more than one bloke in them, but who is he? It's... Sorry, sorry, mate. Uh, who, who are you? Why are you shaking your head? This is radio. It's not... Oh, sorry about this, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, I've just been past a, a piece of paper. Oh, uh, apparently this is, in fact, the reverse Beautiful South, who it says here do the full range of back-to-front Beautiful South songs, including A Lot of Time, Average Six... We aren't each other. Marry her. 
Old Red Eyes promised they'd be here an hour ago. And song for a specifically prearranged person or persons. Hang on! Surely the opposite of the beautiful south of the ugly north! If you're not going to split hairs, I'm going to piss off. Sorry, sorry. Uh, without any further ado, ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for the reverse beautiful south! Services brass band with their very special version of I'll Sail This Ship Alone.
written, edited and produced by me, Ben Baker, with additional speaking by the wonderful Paul Abbott. Find music links, chat and more on the Facebook page or at Ben Basement on Twitter. Take care, sleep well and if you can't be good, wear a second pair of underpants. on local radio programmes in the Keighley region. They just get some bloke on doing a silly voice to ring in and then it just goes on and 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 on and